This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 4, Episode 15, Under and Over. And let's start it off with some announcements. Same announcement as last week. We are five episodes out from the end of the series, which means we are four episodes out from recording post-game chatter. Post-game chatter is where uh, we sit the cast down right after finishing recording the finale. And uh, we talk a little bit about how the system was, how the campaign was, you know, our general feels about everything. Uh, A little bit like words with the GM, but with everybody. Um, And the most important part, the part that we love the best about post-game chatter is that we answer all the questions that you guys send in. This does mean, however, that you guys got to send us some questions. Yeah. uh, You can send them to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at Essential NPCs, or you can go to our website, EssentialNPCs.com, or you can email us directly at EssentialNPCsPodcast at gmail.com. Um, and get those in soon, so we definitely answer them. If we receive it, we will answer your question. Uh, and the question can be anything at all in relation to Tefra, RPGs, this campaign, next campaign, anything. Just shoot us a question. Let us know. Uh, we love having a back and forth with the audience. So that's it for announcements. Let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 4, Episode 14, Dizzy Detectives, <laughs> where we meet the Three Stooges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Team Basington came to be because I was looking at um, steampunk character art for inspiration when I was first putting together the Atroposian Circuit. And uh, I found in my search, like, some fan art of the Three Stooges dressed up in, like, probably, like, Western clothes. They each had, like, revolvers and stuff. And it made me think of, like, the Three Stooges being one of the teams because the teams are three. And I just kind of threw them in there. And this is where that that idea finally came to fruition. (laughs) Yeah, it was really fun. We had um them... it's definitely interesting because we've we've had like Team Towley recently, and then we had Galahad Glynn, which are all like very serious. And then we get to Key and Drew, and everybody's like, "We hate technology," and it's like, "Man, this is this is a little serious. This is like heavy." And then it's like you have these like three bumbling idiots come in, and it totally just lightened the mood. I mean, <laughs> as we all know, Dan loved it. <laughs> yeah, I was a little worried actually going into it that that. Uh or that the execution might flop, but it seemed like everyone was having a good time. And it was really kind of just like this idea that, uh, you know, sometimes it's okay just to be real fucking silly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, and uh, Tefra actually is a world that lends itself to that more than others. It's kind of hard to have a completely outrageous, like silly, episode of like Shadowrun, even to a degree Dungeons and Dragons, you know, those worlds are kind of grounded. Uh, but, uh, even in those kind of settings, um, if you constantly make every single session with your group extremely like serious and like uh, grounded in reality and not at all just like something outrageous and silly, uh, it's gonna it's gonna start to like fatigue everyone involved, the players and the GM alike. It's gonna be like, okay, 
we got to prepare mentally for this set, this you know to do play this game because it could be really emotional or it could not be super emotional it could be fun to a degree like you have fun times um but really ask yourself uh how often do you have a, a moment in one of your campaigns where it's just balls to the walls zany uh because that's a nice like refresher yeah and i mean we've even had that um you know, going back uh, over the course of, of our campaigns, you have that moment with Lariel and Darren where it's like, oh, sorry, no, so sorry, da, da, da. And like, <laughs> uh, or we go to Spirits and Spirits yeah. um, in Shadowrun uh, or just like everything that happens on Aralax. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that that as a GM, one of the important things is to recognize when your players need that, you know, to like read the table and be like, this has been heavy. Let's see if I can't interject some like just goof. Yeah. Some some levity in the extreme. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, uh, like with those examples, it doesn't have to be something that like encompasses an entire session. It doesn't have to be something uh, where you write the three stooges into your campaign. It doesn't have to be like that big a deal where it like takes over like a large plot point. It can just be like, I mean, it's the quintessential you're playing in an RPG and like you let the players just go and role play and be silly in a tavern with little to no consequences. Uh, it's, it's similar to that. And it's, it is just, it's kind of important for the, uh, for the uh, emotional and mental fortitude of everyone involved. <laughs> And that's why you interject the Three Stooges, and it can be that big, too. So um, we definitely had a lot of fun with that. They were great, and you did a really good job. Yay. Well, I am glad. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's enough about being goofy. Let's talk about our favorite parts, which couldn't possibly also be goofy. (laughs) Well, uh, my favorite part was actually... um, just a small little moment. Uh, it's actually something that I normally uh, would have cut out of the podcast in the interest of like having everyone talking in character and progressing the story and stuff like that. But it was a reaction that was too good to, to uh, take out. I think I know you were good you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, it's when you guys were in the uh, Cosmo's office and all of you were like, oh my God, seriously? This is the most ridiculous. I can't believe we're being like detained right now. This is, this is ridiculous. And then you hear the Three Stooges on the other side of the door like no let's see what they have to say for themselves and uh and dan just bursts out in laughter is like shit yeah this is awesome (laughs) (laughs) and and that's like when when uh as a gm all of my like worry that like this might be stupid and you guys might not find it funny but instead find it like annoying and time consuming all of those fears just washed away and i was like good i know dan's on board at least (laughs) and then everyone else uh reacted similarly and i was like good let's fucking do a three stooges uh a three stooges scene huh (laughs) what about you what was your favorite part Uh, My favorite part was when I realized how small that little constable guy was and just picked him up and just walked (laughs) him because we were going there anyway and he was just going to be annoying about it. And (laughs) I just, I don't know. I felt like that was just like, I just loved that. It was just like, you're tiny and I just don't care. And like, yoink. And he was like, hey, put me down. Oh, no. And I was like, nah. (laughs) Uh, And it was just really nice to just like literally take control 
of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> By picking up a tiny little creature. Because <laughs> it, it just felt like it was going to be like forever where we were going to have to like try and like defend ourselves and like, no, we're not guilty. And because of all these reasons and this guy is an idiot. And like, <laughs> and then I was just like, no, we're going there. And, okay, we're going. Sure. <laughs> Just shut up. Come with me. We're going to the constable's office like you want, and you're taking too long. <laughs> uh, and I just, I thought that was yeah, that really was entertaining. That was that. pretty great. <laughs> um, but uh, we're still in a Three Stooges episode. You this guys are still true. in Key and Drew, and, uh, and Team Basington is still uh, around somewhere. Uh, so let's, uh, let's keep going with all of the silliness. And... Um, Move on forward and listen to Series 4, Episode 15, Under and Over. Enjoy! Hello, I'm Barnabas Gunsby, famous big game hunter and adventurer. I come from common birth, but I've used my skills to make a name for myself. I often go on expeditions to explore the world and its many lost secrets, to tame once wild lands and lay my eyes on wonders few have seen. I've written books of my exploits to help fund my adventures and while the books have brought me wealth and fame, many believe them to be fiction. It's cast a sad shadow over my once great career, but I have been selected to participate in the great Atroposian circuit, where I shall prove to the world that Barnabas Gunsby is a true legend of adventure. Hello, I'm Talia Nazari. It's true, I am Varishta royalty, and that's all well and good, but ruling is certainly not my true passion, but a duty I fulfill nonetheless. You see, I'm first an inventor and engineer. Self-taught, but I'm very good, a natural. And I suppose that natural talent has only been helped along by a lot of time spent in solitude. But you should see all the sorts of things I've made, mostly through trial and error. I am certainly not afraid to jump in and get my hands dirty when needed. As fate would have it, being an inventor led me straight into what I believe will be one of the most interesting times of my life. Mr. Cornelius Jollypot has asked me to join his team for that great Atroposian circuit. Can you imagine? Of course I said yes, only bolstered by the fact that one of my teammates is Mr. Barnabas Gunsby, my favourite author. We're sure to have a fantastic time and perhaps even have the chance to win. I can't wait to leave Dalvozia and see the world with my amazing and talented teammates by my side. It's all so very exciting. I'm Ezekiel Quaglin, gnome pilot extraordinaire, but my friends call me Zeke. I grew up in Paldoris before the hurricane wars. When the Aedin attacked, I joined the military to do my part in defense of my people. When it came time to return home, we realized that in winning the war, Paldoris had become an uninhabitable wasteland. The infernal church of Jinzi swooped in to save the day with their city-sized stormships. This spelled salvation for many of my people, and though I was never particularly religious, I was happy to accept the church's appointment as pilot of Jinzi's hammer. I flew the city for several years, but I never really enjoyed living on that mechanical monstrosity. 
When the Evanglesian Civil War broke out, I quickly volunteered for the Jinzi Corps to lend aid to the militarists. Though we lost, I earned admission to the High Flyers, and after the war, used my connections there to become a commercial pilot. It's not glamorous or exciting work, and it barely pays the bills, but it let me fly the skies. When Jollypot offered me a spot on his Atroposian circuit team, I was happy to accept in hopes of retiring to a life of luxury. I mean, even if we don't win, at least it won't be boring. Last time we left Team Jollypot, they were in the gnomish city of Kiandru in the country of Surai. Uh, Surai has a nationwide uh, ban on technology, and the city of Kiandru kind of sees the ban as more of a guideline than really an actual law. Uh, however, uh, there's been an increase in an organization called the Arbiters Puritans, uh, who are uh, walking around Key and Drew trying to convert everybody to the proper ways of the Sulrai mainland uh, and fully commit to the tech ban and living a life of simple, primitive uh, nature. The team entered the city only to find that there was a serial killer afoot, uh, known as the Cogwork Killer due to the knife that they leave in their victims uh, made out of different Cogworks. Uh, their victims have been exclusively members of the Arbiter's Puritans. Um, our intrepid adventurers were shanghaied into, uh, into assisting in the investigation as they were taken to meet the three special investigators from Evanglass, who turned out to actually be Team Bazington, who had been mistaken by the Key and Drew constabulary as special investigators, and apparently were just rolling with it. So Team Bazington uh, asked Team Jollypot for help in solving the murder, because they didn't know how to solve the murder, and uh, Team Jollypot got to work. They conducted some interviews, and they have a prime suspect, I believe, in... Uh, Dagon Vex, one of the three leaders of this chapter of the Arbiter's Puritans. Um, they've begun, or their investigation led them to uh, some interesting keys in Dagon's uh, home. And uh, with some help from the uh, constable, they learned that these keys were uh, issued by a prominent tech smuggler in the area, a man who goes by the name of Magnus. To hedge their bets, uh, Barnabas and Talia were doing most of the legwork investigation, while Zeke uh, established himself as a member of the Arbiter's Puritans, uh, wandering around the streets of Key and Drew, handing out pamphlets uh, to anyone who would give him the time of day, hopefully allowing himself to be the next target of the Cogwork Killer. Um, so Talia and Barnabas... Uh, you two have uh, been given as much information as the constable has to give you. Uh, so what is it uh, you guys do with that? Well, let's go speak with some smugglers. Should we go get Zeke first? Yes, we don't want him going off and getting murdered without us. Wait, that <laughs> sounded... What? <laughs> that, sounded, that sounded way worse than I intended. <laughs> I do not want him to die. That's very good, Mr. Gunsby. Let's go. <laughs> All right, uh, you guys wander around Key and Drew for a little bit, and eventually you see in his white robe uh, holding a bundle of pamphlets, Ezekiel Quaglin, newest addition to the Arbiter's Puritans. Repent. 
Technology is the devil. Repent. Take a pamphlet. <laughs> I take a couple. All right, Zeke, we got a lead. Come with us. All right. And I um, I guess I take off my armor gear and his clothes. Say, can I have a few more of those pamphlets? Sure. And I hand him all of them. <laughs> I dump them in the nearest trash can. And I, and I uh, dust off my hands and say, all right, let's go. Okay. Where are we going? <laughs> we have some shady individuals to talk to. The river. <laughs> right. All right. Um, I'll explain to Zeke as, um, as we go. All right. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is a better plan than mine. <laughs> Especially because, well, he knows that you're not right. Right. That makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you guys, um, go down towards the, uh, little docks in the, uh, in the river. Um, and, uh, the sun is beginning to set and you're keeping an eye out for any suspicious fellows coming in and out of town. I I keep an eye out for smuggling people. All right. Everyone roll notice for me. Uh, it's not a really, um, busy dock, but it's definitely not like a barren dock with like, you being able to watch just like one person come in, unload their stuff and like go about their business. You gotta, you gotta kind of do some casing and and it does like run the length of the river. So you guys kind of have to split up to like really get a good, uh, a good view of everything. I go to one end and I look down the whole river. (laughs) I also got a tier two. (laughs) And, uh, Tali, what'd you get? Tier three. And Barnabas? Tier two. Barnabas, you're scoping out. Casually walking around, uh, trying to, you know, take a peek at anyone unloading their their ships or rafts to see if, like, maybe they have some tech that they're moving in on the down low. Um, you don't seem to see anything. Uh, Zeke, you got, like, the lay of the whole, like, line uh, before the river bend. Uh, and you can, uh, you know, see everyone, but there's a lot to keep track of. So you're, like, scanning around looking, and you can't quite... You don't know exactly where you like think maybe, oh, that guy. No, nah, no, nah, that's just a piece of silver, just plain old silver, not technology. That guy. No, nah, no, nah, that's just. <laughs> uh, and Talia, you're uh, looking around um, and uh, you get the briefest gleam of something. And you look as uh, one person has, uh, as he moved a uh, crate uh, onto uh, like a dolly. Uh, he knocked over like a bag and a little, uh, a little monocle rolls out, but it's like a monocle with like a couple, you know, different lens options on it. And like, you know, a Ruby, le- a Ruby coating on the main lens. Um, and he quickly stuffs it away and looks around and then continues to load up his dolly. Is he a gnome? Yes. Most of the people coming in and out of uh, the river are gnomes because the river isn't really big enough for boats that are not gnome sized. Right. I shall walk over casually. (laughs) Hello. Hi. Uh, He immediately looks at you like confused and suspicious as he sets like a crate down on his dolly and just stands there looking at you weirdly. (laughs) I'm Talia Nazari. Uh, and I heard that there was a way to procure items that otherwise aren't particularly allowed here. Um, and I was wondering 
if you might point me in the right direction of the person who could provide those things. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that, love. Sorry, uh, I gotta be on my way. Oh, my friend gave me this key. He stops. Before he died, and I was hoping to return it to that person. I don't really need anything. Obviously, I don't live here. Um, but that's all right. I, sorry, sorry for bothering you. I'll go ask somebody else. Roll uh, cunning to see if you can do some uh, some reverse psychology on this guy. <laughs> It's a tier two in 18. As you're about to walk away, he goes, what's your friend's name? Atticus. Uh, Come on, make it look a little less obvious. Help me load up these crates. I do. And uh, as you're loading up on the dolly with him, he goes, what happened to Atticus then? Uh, He was murdered. (sighs) Bollocks. That makes three of them in not that long a time. I'm losing customers. Now, I'm not trying to say that uh, if you're interested party uh i can double your security and make sure that you're uh that you're not a target of this uh this this would-be serial killer interesting um would you be able to recognize if i if i handed you a key would you be able to recognize who it belonged to and kind of looks at you looks around he goes you're not a buyer are you not at the moment but I'm not looking to bust you. I actually admire what you're doing. Well, except for that it's breaking the law, but I don't think the law's fair, so it's an even break, really. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess you and I see eye to eye on that. Um, all right. Let me see them keys. Um, I take the keys and I show them to him. Yeah, yeah that would be the three that I died. All right. Uh, that one there is Gillian's. That one there is Searsha's. And then, yeah, that one's Atticus's. Do you mind if I ask what they were having procured? All sorts of things, love. I, uh, I provide uh, simple, necessities, uh, simple necessities as well as uh, luxuries. I'm in a bit of a spot. At this point, Zeke and Barnabas, you guys see that Talia has approached uh, a guy on a ship. Uh, it's a gnome. He's got uh, oily black hair kind of like uh, pulled up into a bun. He's got like a scruffy little uh, beard and a lo- uh, his mustache is a little longer than his beard. Uh, and he uh, is kind of wearing like raggedy leathers. I'm keeping an eye out for Team Basington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to make my way towards my teammate. Okay. I'm in a bit of a spot. Um, you see, I don't want to get you in trouble or stop your operation at all, but I'm not exactly sure how evidence-based Key and Drew's justice system is. So, um, is there... Would you... I know you're on fairly good terms with the constable. I wouldn't know what you're talking about, he winks. Of course. And um, <laughs> would you be willing to perhaps... If you were ever to leave anything around where he could find it, perhaps sign an affidavit of sorts that this is those keys belong to those murdered people. Um. Well, you ever been to Western Evangelis? Unfortunately, not. Well, they got these townships there, run by sheriffs. They call them, and uh, pretty much wherever the sheriff there says goes. Their judge, jury, and executioner kind of goes the same here. So if the constable believes it, 
That's all that matters. Are you leaving soon? Should I be? No, I just asking in case he wanted to speak with you after I told him sort of the revelation you've given me. Well, he knows how to find me. If he wants to talk to me, I'll be in town for the night. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. Magnus. Magnus. He reaches out a hand. I shake it. He shakes it back. (laughs) It's dirty. He is very dirty. (laughs) (laughs) He smells like fish. Mm. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, So uh, I suppose I've found what I needed to find. So I will meet Mr. Gunsby on his way down. Sure, I can't interest you in anything uh, anything to purchase. What do you have? <laughs> oh, all right. Here's an address. <laughs> he hands you an address, and he's like, you can find me there. I'll set up my wares, and you can take a look around. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And he, uh, he tips an invisible hat to you. <laughs> I don't have my hat on, so I just nod. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wheels his dolly away, whistling, and walks right by Barnabas. Hello, Governor. And then keeps walking. Hello. <laughs> Mr. Gunsby, it seems yes. that our suspicions are confirmed. Those keys all belonged to the people who were killed. Bastard. So. All right. What's our next step? What, did you, what sort of information did you gather from that fine, upstanding gentleman, <laughs> Barnabas Winks? Well, um, that those keys did, in fact, belong to the people who died and also um he was using they were using those keys to collect things from him that he had procured from them everything from simple necessities to every to luxuries so um i'm not sure how they were found out but they definitely were so let's go collect mr quaglin and um head back to the sheriff's i think Sounds like a plan to me. Oh, Mr. Gunsby, you flatter me. <laughs> go and collect Mr. Quaglin and hope he hasn't been murdered. What? Oh, did Have I say I? that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> you guys look down the stream and you see Zeke sitting there on his little perch looking around. But he doesn't seem to be watching the boat people anymore. Now he's looking around on the horizon. <laughs> uh, Mr. Quaglin. How'd it go? Pretty well, I think. And I tell him what I found out. I guess we go talk to the constable now. That's what I said. (laughs) We do. All right. So uh, you guys continue on your way uh, to the constable's office. You get there without any incident. Uh, It's now well into the evening. And the constable's uh, in his office. You guys approach. He goes, well, what'd you find out? Miss Nazari, I believe you received Um, the information firsthand. I did. Uh, I spoke with Mr. Magnus, and he confirmed that the keys all belonged to um, the people who were murdered. Um, uh, The keys, you remember, we found in Mr. Dagan's apartment or Uh building, hut. I don't know what you would call it. It's a little offensive, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, that he was, in fact, giving, providing them things that they needed and wanted. Well, um, main question is, how does a man like Dagan get his hands on someone, on a dead man's keys, uh, unless he's involved somehow? 
Uh, I did take a look around town uh, as well as have a couple of my constables look around town trying to find Dagan, bring him in like you suggested. Can't find him anywhere. Not quite sure where he, where he's at. Uh, we spoke with uh, uh, Kilwin and Lucinda. Uh, they said uh, they had their their little meeting, and then uh, uh, Dagan said he was heading home, but uh, he weren't home. So I'm not sure where exactly he got to. Well, it is good we have a resident tracker. Where? <laughs> uh, Mr. Gunsby. Why, that would be me. Perhaps you haven't read my books since you haven't. Since you've had to ask. Uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty fair assessment that I have not read your books. <laughs> well, I assure you I am an excellent tracker and I shall go to his home and pick up the scent. All right. And then uh, at that point, there's a big clanging sound as the uh, as the front door to the constable's office uh, bursts open. And uh, uh, you see as Team Basington is wrestling their way in, they have with them a uh, some bag that's like clanging around and they're wrestling over who gets to hold it. Um, uh, Fisk pulls it out from Heathrow's hands, uh, going to slap Heathrow. Heathrow ducks. Fisk instead slaps Theodore, who spins around and, punch, and punches uh, uh, Heathrow on the top of the head. Uh, who And in the midst of uh, uh, Fisk getting the, uh, the bag... Uh, uh, Heathrow, like when he got bonked on the top of the head, uh, like falls into Fisk, making him drop the bag. And then Theodore grabs the bag and starts running up with it and then trips and falls. And the bag goes flying up in the air and Heathrow catches it. And then, and they're all just like, no, I won't tell him. No, if anyone's going to tell him, it's going to be me. Oh no, it's me. Well, I think it should be me. And they're, <laughs> and they're, uh, rolling all over each other. And then finally, uh, uh, after they've tipped over three different chairs and tables, uh, they all jump up in front of you guys at the same time, um, uh, each one of them holding a part of the bag. <laughs> and they're like, we, we, we found the killer's cache of weapons, says Fisk. Good job. Oh, well done. And see, it all occurred to me that uh, that this killer, he goes around uh, unable to, uh, or he goes around without being seen. And I thought, how does one, so how does someone go around without being seen? He starts pacing around, very like sure of himself, but the whole time uh, Theodore and Heathrow are still holding onto the bag, and so he's like dragging them along with him as they like scuffle, uh, shuffle to like hold on. And he's like, and uh, and it occurred to me, uh, all on my lonesome, that uh, that perhaps uh, uh, he was using their sewer system. Hey, wait, that was mine. You shut your mouth. King, pong, king, and they. Uh, uh, do a little bit more punching and slapping each other. Uh, and just for good measure, Fisk grabs Theodore's hair and, and yanks him uh, to put him in between uh, uh, Fisk and Heathrow. And at that point, Fisk has actually gotten the bag all to himself. And he goes, and sure enough, and he pours the bag out onto the table and a bunch of uh, knives made out of cogworks uh, scatter onto the table. We found it uh, with a little bit of help, says Theodore. And he goes, well, yeah, with a little bit of help, but it was mostly us, yeah. Who helped you? Uh, a little fella with a with a limp. Uh, said his name was Dagon. He was in the sewers too. And uh, which way did he go? What? Well, I, I don't know. He showed us. He uh, he accompanied us to the uh, to the area where the weapons were, and then uh, he went on his way. And we thanked him very much for his time. Upstanding gentleman, that guy. Wait, which way did he go, though? Well, some somewhere out Thinks the sewers. Back in your mind. And they all sit there scratching their heads. That way, and they all point in a different direction. Where did you come out of the sewers? I'll show you if you want. I don't know why you yes, need. Just take us to the sewer, yes. please. Maybe they want to thank him. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe they want to thank him. We want to thank yes, him. Yes, we would love to thank him. Please <laughs> take us to the sewer. 
Well, sure. We will escort you to the sewer as head investigators of this uh, of this murder. Well, thank Correct. you, special investigator. Now, please hurry and take us to the sewer. And uh, yeah, the three of them uh, lead you guys to the sewer entrance. We give them a wide enough berth that they don't kill us. <laughs> Not possible. <laughs> uh, you make it to the sewer entrance with uh, a little less, uh, or with more or less no incident. Uh, Theodore Fisk and Heathrow seem to be having an argument about who gets to go in first. Great. We go in before them. All right, they don't notice at first. They're just in there arguing and smacking each other, and then they're like, and then they all realize. And uh, as you guys make it down, climbing down the ladder to the sewers, uh, there's uh, just uh, a shout, and all three of them start just fall down and land on top of each other. All right, Barnabas, do your thing. <laughs> well, I can show I you where we where we got the weapons from. They're just down this way. I thought they were down this way. No, they're definitely down this way. Don't you talk back to me. Well, uh, I think I think uh, Fisk has it right there. Well, okay, then we'll go with Fisk. All right, yes, Barnabas, let's go with Fisk. Thing. He sounds extra right. Please lead the way, Fisk. <laughs> uh, and Fisk starts walking down uh, the sewer. The sewers uh, uh, don't seem to um, have been, like, they've been used uh, recently. Uh, they're pretty empty. Not really, like, any running water or anything in there. Just, like, empty tunnel workings now. Um, they're a little stinky, but not, like, fresh stinky. <laughs> This is even the smelliest sewer I've crawled in. They uh, lead you guys for a little while, and uh, it lead you for a little while longer, and then uh, they lead you for a little while longer, and then... Uh, uh, Barnabas, why aren't you doing your thing? <laughs> I was hoping to get a start, but... Uh, no. I think I'm just... <laughs> uh, no, it's definitely this way. You guys realize you've just been taking a bunch of lefts over and over and over again. Uh, I start. I start tracking. I start looking around. <laughs> All right. Um, roll. Uh, notice for me. Sixteen tier two. I bust out my flashlight. I do my best to distract Team Basington so Barnabas can get to work. All right. How do you go about doing that? Tell me exactly how you found this lead again. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, it all started when... <laughs> and uh, you get quite the show as, uh, as the three of them uh, animatedly reenact how they went into the sewers and found the knives. Um, Great. Adding some story about like a damsel in distress that uh, that they rescued and uh, and then let go, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, um, uh, Barnabas, uh, you you find like your way back to uh, to like where you guys started. And go the pretty much the only way that you haven't walked because uh, Fisk was going every way that was the wrong way, uh, and uh, you quickly find your way to uh, this little uh, um, uh, like opening inside the uh, sewers that uh, makes like kind of a, what appears to be some kind of little uh, uh, den. It's got like a little gnome-sized bed. Uh, it has a couple chests and um, all of which have seen been opened and overturned. Um, and uh, Barnabas and Israel notice again. 17, tier two. Uh, yeah, and you, uh, uh, looking around Barnabas, you see the obvious footprints and uh, uh, signs of passage from Team Basington. Uh, but you also see uh, little gnomish footprints in the muck uh, that are heading down one of, the, uh, one of the smaller tunnels. Any cult paraphernalia? 
No, uh, no, it's it's pretty pretty bare. Um, I'm gonna find any unless any of my teammates want to look around. I'm gonna follow the tracks out and see where he went. Yeah, you guys uh, have to Zeke. You don't have to, but Talia and Barnabas, you guys kind of have to duck to go into this tunnel. Um, it's not like a crawling type uh, size tunnel. It's just one that you have to hunch over to walk through. Um, but Zeke, it's quite roomy for you. Uh, it's a nice tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear uh, at, behind you guys as Theodore F- Fisk and Heathrow have a hard time as they all try to walk through side by side in this tunnel and are like more or less just like scraping the sides of it with their shoulders, <laughs> like trying really hard to like keep up with you guys. I think it's best if we just pretend they're not there until they interfere. I've been studying them as they explain how they got here to me. I don't understand what's powering them, but it's clearly quite strong. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, You guys go for a little while. um, uh, And at a certain point, uh, there's a a sudden downturn in the... uh, uh, in the pipes, uh, and it is quite slippery. I need everyone to roll dexterity so as not to uh, slip and slide. 24 for Barnabas. I got a tier two. Also a tier two. Yeah, you guys are fine. Uh, you guys, uh, it kind of opens up into a larger, uh, a larger flat tunnel Uh uh, going kind of at a steep angle downward. Um, it seems this is like an offshoot for a bunch of smaller tunnels that used to pour down like what was probably once like a waterfall of sewage. But now it's just like a slippery, grimy like slide. Barnabas, you step out first. You kind of like slip and slide a little bit like your legs like kind of like backpedaling on nothing. Uh, and then you find some footing and kind of move off to the side. Uh, Zeke and Talia, you have similar uh, moments when you step out. You're like, oh shit, oh shit. And you find like a little, there's like a pipe uh, in between the different like uh, tunnel entrances uh, that you guys can like grab onto and like hold yourself up and surely we'll be fine. Uh, and the three and so you guys all grab your areas and then out the uh, uh, the tunnel you just went through or the tunnel you guys just came out of. Team Basington uh, steps out, uh, walking with confidence. Fisk first, uh, standing upright, sh- reaching out with his leg, and he just f- slips and falls f- face first on the uh, uh, on the slide and just goes on his belly. Uh, uh, Heathrow jumps after him and grabs onto his ankles to try to save him, and Fisk jumps after Heathrow and grabs onto his ankles to try and slave- save him, and they all just go serpentining, sliding down uh, into the darkness. <laughs> That is a bit quicker with mm-hmm. the tier three slide down the rest of the way. You have to go down. You just have to go down in a controlled descent. That's <laughs> yeah, I do that. But fancy, I slide down. <laughs> all of them. We could have just laughed. <laughs> you say as Barnabas uh, surfboards down uh, on, on his boots, uh, keeping his balance as he slides down one of the grooves in the in the track leading downwards. <laughs> I don't know that it's possible for them to not solve this murder. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Come on, Mr. Quaglin. Let's go. All right. Uh, And you guys slide down as well? Of course. Okay. Can't leave Mr. Gunsby alone with Team Bassington. (laughs) All right. I need everyone who is sliding down to roll another dexterity test for me. Zeke, what'd you get? I got a tier two. Okay. Tier three. Okay. Another 24 for 
Barnabas Gunsby. All right, so tier three for Barnabas and uh, Talia, and tier two for Zeke. Um, yeah, uh, the the slant becomes a little less extreme uh, and starts like leveling out, but it's still uh, angled enough that you guys can slide, but you start losing a little bit of momentum. It also becomes a little more narrow uh, and re-enters what seems like a, a large tunnel. Um, and you guys are able to kind of, uh, as it kind of almost levels out, uh, you've managed to slow yourself down, down enough that like you, you, st- you stop your sliding and you can go back to walking on the muck and you see ahead of you, uh, little cracks of light. And as you get closer, you see the legs of, uh, Heathrow Fisk and Theodore, uh, sticking out of what seems to be an exit, uh, uh, of this tunnel. Um, all three of them jammed in with their legs kicking back at you guys is it possible to go back up <laughs> <laughs> it'd be incredibly difficult to go back up seek talia give me a hand and let's help these poor poor gentlemen we push them through yeah I uh, help. <laughs> there's a there's a satisfying thump <laughs> as uh as they all shoot out and then you see them fall straight down uh, it seems like this uh, this sewage exit uh, is a good um, 15 feet above the ground. This is manslaughter at best. I think we're fine within the rules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I won't tell anyone if you don't. <laughs> I mean, we, we should make sure they're okay. <laughs> and you guys look down and you see them... Uh, uh, laying on the ground, starting to get up and shoving each other down to stand up. Is that another way other than it just comes out and there's, it comes no out, uh, it comes out, uh, apparently this, this, uh, sewage exit comes out, um, on, uh, a little cliff edge and there's definitely tons of like tr- large, thick, uh, tree branches and vines all around. Uh, you guys could climb your way down on those. Uh, you could hop down if you wanted uh, to try that. The ground below is uh, is grassy, but also with a bunch of like uh, like big boulders and uh, like little like rock patches. Uh, and it seems that uh, Theodore Fisk and Heathrow landed in the only grassy spot, <laughs> <laughs> like the only really really soft grassy spot. I take the longest vine, one that leads from the tunnel to the ground, and I slide down it. Uh, go ahead and roll dexterity for me, Barnabas. Fifteen, tier two. All right. I don't think they can be killed. <laughs> I think they're immortal. <laughs> I find a vine. Cool. Uh, go ahead and roll dexterity for me. I should do the same. Sure. Uh, roll dexterity for me. All three of you sliding down the vines. Tier two. Tier three. All of you make it down. You land. Uh, each of you lands next to the struggling, fighting Theodore Fisk and Heathrow, um, who eventually make their way up, brush themselves off, and Fisk goes all according to plan. Exactly. Now, uh, what what are we doing this for again? I pick up the trail before they start talking again. <laughs> I mean, they already started talking. But go ahead and roll notice. <laughs> I got a fifteen. Uh, all right. Uh, you look around for a little bit. You're trying to uh, find see if there's any any inclination that uh the trail continues here uh, you're looking around in the in the the like soft earthy ground around the rocks um looking for pretty much any sign you can talia and zeke uh they turn to you and like what are we doing th- or what are we after again here we're trying to solve the murder remember your special investigators from Evanglass? well yeah i mean i didn't forget that yeah i'm a special investigator yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yes, you're very important special investigators from Evanglass. Yes, uh, but what are we after here? Well, you led us to the cache of murder weapons, and then we're tracking down the murderer now. The murderer? I thought we were going to thank that Dagon guy. Right, we're going to thank him for revealing to us that he's the murderer. He's the murderer! He's the murderer! He's the murderer! <laughs> you solved it. <laughs> <laughs> well done, gentlemen. I'm sure you'll be accommodated for this. Yeah, yeah, I did solve it. <laughs> well, I solved it too. I said it first. <laughs> you all solved it together. You can decide amongst yourselves who gets the most credit. Me! Me! I guess they can have it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so they start arguing and uh, uh, punching each other some more. Um, and Barnabas, you uh, pick up the trail. You see a, a, a nice, heavy, somewhat fresh footprint from, uh, uh, from someone who is gnome-sized. I follow it. All right. You guys continue along your way? Yes, we, we pick up the trail, stopping every couple of feet to get to double check where it might not be as uh, visible. Every and I time, show them how to what to look for and the different pieces of broken branch that are in the underbrush as we walk through that indicate the direction and how the greenness of the branch. Mr. Gunsby. <laughs> Right, we have a murder to solve. This way. <laughs> uh, and every time you, you guys stop to re-pick up the trail, uh, Team Basington all bump into each other and fall over. Um, and uh, they're trying to keep up with you guys. Um, the grassy uh, jungle uh, gives way to uh, a rocky shore. Um, and Barmus, roll notice for me one more time. Zeke, you can roll notice for me as well. Tier 3, 25. I got an 8. Okay. <laughs> Barnabas, you um, you notice the telltale signs on the shore that there was uh, a raft or boat of some kind shored up here, uh, and it has uh, recently set sail, being dragged back into, uh, into the sea. And uh, Zeke, looking around, uh, you see... Um, uh, you can see uh, down across the sea the mainland of Surai. Do I see a limping gnome? You do not. <laughs> you don't. You like. You can't like see like the shoreline in detail of the of the mainland. You can just see that it's like there. Everyone else like it might be a little too like foggy for them to really like notice it, but you notice it. Well, he sailed back to Surai, so. Um... I turn to Team Basington, and I tell them, this actually falls out of our jurisdiction, but as special investigators from Evanglass, you can follow him and track down this heinous murderer. He is getting away. Uh, you can't let that happen. <laughs> All three of you roll cunning together. Uh, we'll can start I do so heroically? Because there's literally no way we can beat this team unless they <laughs> stop racing. No. <laughs> um, Zeke, you're going to be the primary on this. Talia and uh, Barnabas, you guys are assisting. So Talia and Barnabas, let me know what you get. 21 for Barnabas. I give them an epic speech about their duty to Evanglas and the whole continent of Tephra. 
how they must chase down these murderers and scoundrels. It's a 33. You got a tier four, Dahlia? Uh, Zeke, take a plus 12 to this roll. I got an 18. <laughs> they, they listen to you guys. They listen to Barnabas's little speech. They look at you guys and they're like, uh, and then they look at each other and they start laughing. And uh, Fisk goes, you get a load of this. They actually think we're private investigators. I told you we could play it off pretty well. Yeah, we're, we're the best private investigators there are. Yeah. And they all sit there for a second. We are the best private investigators <laughs> there are. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? A land like this, and he's, uh, Fisk says as he puts his foot up on a, on a rock and poses heroically, and the other two try to pose heroically behind him, bumping into each other and tripping a little bit. Uh, on a land like this, you know what it needs? Free will. <laughs> yes. And they, heroes. To see a, an entire country believe that science is a bad thing. Well, we can't stand for that, can we, lads? No, we can't. No, we can't! Well, then we'll have to just take this as our duty. We've found our, uh, our mission in life. We're going to convert Surai to the free will. Great. Excellent. I shall inform the next Duncan Furter of or withdrawal from the race to do greater good in the world. Yeah, you do that, Mr. Barney. Let's go, boys. And they all start wading into the sea. <laughs> Anyone else and I'd be sure that they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you guys see them uh, starting to swim across the sea towards the mainland. They're actually swimming really fast. <laughs> no, they're going to run into a friendly boat or something or like a large intelligent whale will meet them and they'll be friends. I, I don't know something about the, they project a field. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how it works. Well, let's get back to the constable and update him on what happened. Uh, yeah, you guys, uh, make your way around, uh, not sliding through a sewer system. Uh, it takes a little while. Uh, it's, uh, well, well into the night. Um, when you guys get back into key and drew, you're a little stinky. You've been sliding around in the sewer on our way back. I tell Barnabas, we don't actually have any way to prove that they've conceded. And Duncan Furter mentioned without proof that would disqualify us. Yes, that's very true. I think we just let this one play out. <laughs> Best of luck to them. So we, we go to the constable and tell him, um, that, uh, if it's very late into the night, is he still there? Actually, uh, no, the, the office is all closed up. Right. Oh, so I can't actually get my boat either. I suppose we're staying the night in the place we arranged. Looks like it. All right, gentlemen. Yes, let's get some rest. We've had a long day and I need a bath. Not going to get one here. <laughs> uh, the night goes without incident. No one really bothers you guys you guys wake up uh early in the morning and go to the constable's office uh you guys walk into his office and he really quickly closes the painting behind his desk and turns to you holding a, a cup of like steaming coffee and he's like oh it's just you <laughs> so it seems um he got away oh well that's unfortunate you're we're sure it's the it's uh dagon then quite Yes, we were able to locate his hideout. Uh, he had led Team Basington to his hideout uh, to cover his escape. Uh, showed him where he kept all of his weapons. 
so you're able to find several outfits and a bunk. Also, with mm-hmm. your uh, with your um, exceptional tracking rolls from before, Barnabas, you were able to confirm uh, by following this trail that it was a man with there was a gnomish man with a limp. So you guys are pretty much 100 percent sure it's taken. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Constable nods and goes, "Well, uh, I suppose uh, I'm going to go ahead and call in uh, Lucinda and Kilwin." And uh, submit them to some questioning. See what they can tell me about this. Uh, that Kilwin fellow is going to be pretty upset. Uh, knowing that uh was one of his own doing the killing. But, uh, yeah, it wraps things up pretty nice. Uh, Arbiter's Puritans uh, might have a little bit of uh, restructuring to do. But uh, thank you all for your contribution. Uh, whatever happened to those special investigators? They're still on the trail. Uh, That makes sense. Well, I feel like they might be able to pull it off. Weird as it sounds. They're a strange lot. Angry. Something about them. Like a field. (laughs) Um, So could we collect our things from wherever they're being kept? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Go ahead and give me your uh, tickets for what you got on you. I give them to him. And, uh, all right, well, well, we can go over to the lockup uh, just around the corner and get you your things. Thank you. Uh, and then I'll have some of my men escort you to the uh, to the shoreline so you can make your way. Excellent. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you. And he uh, takes your hand, Talia, and gives it a kiss. And he shakes, uh, he shakes Barnabas's hand and shakes Zeke's hand. And, uh, uh, yeah, he, you guys are led to the, uh, to the lockup where you turn in your tickets for all the stuff there and get your stuff. Uh, it's all accounted for your weapons are now back. Uh, uh, Talia, you, you get your skiff back and with the help of, uh, probably big Zeke and, uh, uh, Barnabas, uh, you guys make, uh, make your way to the shore with relative ease. Um, and, uh, escorted by some of the guards. Um, and, uh, yeah, you guys, uh, set up on the shoreline. What do you do? All right. It's time to convert the skiff into a gyrocopter. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Basically the pontoons are repurposed as propellers. Sure. Uh, both, uh, forward, uh, uh, one above and then one in the back mm-hmm. uh, for directional control. And then um, I take the small ether cores that were in um, Gerald's wings that I've maintained. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they serve as upward propulsion. There are also, so it's not resting on the ether cores when it's on the ground. There are also um, little skids. um, So we can, so it's not resting on the ether cores. And then also it's just the same netting and the same post up that was the sail. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, Also, it's very loud. (laughs) Uh, You start getting to work. Um, one of, one of the guards, like the rest of them leave and then one of the guards, uh, sticks around to watch you work and he's just like sitting there like talking to Zeke and Barnabas. He's like, wow, she really knows her stuff. Yes. She's very talented. That, 
core thingies glowing real bright. Is that dangerous? Probably. Oh, man. Should we move? I don't oh, think we'll we be can move fine. far enough away. No, God. <laughs> uh, Talia, go ahead and uh, roll uh, science for me and see how quickly you can put this together. That skiff used to look like a human. What? You guys killed somebody to make this skiff? <laughs> oh, no, no. It was a giant metal human of they, sorts. They have those? Yeah, it's a robot. Like I said, she's very talented. Weird. I've always wanted to leave Surai and see the wonders of the world. There's some stuff out there. I've never been a good paddler. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Where are we going next? Uh, your guys' next checkpoint is in uh, the country of Arakrith, uh, which is led by the uh, the Seder tribes. Uh, you need to get to the northern uh, shore of Arakrith uh, um, in the little uh, encampment of Whalehaven. Uh, under the jurisdiction of the Silica tribe. Um, And, uh, yeah, um, you guys are instructed to go there, and the representative of the court elite is uh, apparently waiting in the uh, hut of the Eternal Guard there. So you guys started in the morning, right? Uh, It takes you until uh, early afternoon to really get it all set up. Um, Uh... Barnabas and, and Zeke and this uh, uh, this younger gnome sitting there watching you. Um, every once in a while, like, maybe helping you out, holding something for you, but it's more or less just you sitting there doing all the work. Um, I think on occasion, maybe you pull out your Gerald hat and he helps you as well. <laughs> oh, Gerald, will you hold this for me? Whoop, Very tightly now. Woo! <laughs> uh, the gnomish guard is like, Wow! <laughs> That hat, it talks, sort of. I can't really understand it. You get used to it. Okay. Uh, and yeah, you guys, uh, you guys, uh, after, like, it's like early to mid afternoon that you get it all set up after, after a good, like, four hours to five, four to five hours of work. Hey, Talia. Uh, yes, miss, uh, Mr. Gwaglin? Um, how many people can that thing hold? Well, it's really about the weight, so... So, like, an extra gnome is no problem. Probably not. And I turn to our gnome friend, and I ask him, Hey, you want to go to Arakrith? Where the satyrs live? I guess. Oh, man. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Is that thing safe? And he points at the the gyrocopter. It's safe enough. Probably. Hop on. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, go ahead and roll cunning. See if you can inspire him that, uh, inspire him to, uh, give in to his, uh, his desire for adventure. Is that both of us? Tier two. I also got a tier two. All right. So both of you got tier twos. He sits there, he looks around and he, he like looks a little nervous. He kind of sinks down a little bit and then is like, yeah, yeah. And he starts straightening up. He's like, let's do this. Let's adventure. Cool. Ha <laughs> That's the spirit. I've oh, you will be fashion, addicted to it soon. I quickly fashion another safety belt. It's more like a harness, really. All right. Where do I sit? 
on the netting here. And I harness him in with a little belay line. Everybody's got one. <laughs> cool. I'm terrified. <laughs> You'll be all right. You'll get over it. Don't worry. All right. Last chance. Anyone need anything from the city? No. <laughs> Let's get out of here as soon as possible. And our new gnome friend is like, I'm cool with leaving everything and everyone I know behind right now. Yes, he says exactly those words. All right, I take off. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> ah, we're so high up. <laughs> oh, my God. We're 12 we, feet we, off we, the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that continues for a good, like, 15 minutes. As I you can't guys hear him. <laughs> it is. In fact, a very loud vehicle you've contracted. Uh, so um, uh, his his shouting is more or less drowned out. But every time you guys look over at him, he's just got like wide eyes and a shouting, like looking down like. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> cool. Uh, it's going to take you guys um, uh, a little under two days to uh, make your way to Arakrith from where you are. You have to fly over the mainland of Surai, and you also have to uh, fly over a significant portion of the country of Arakrith as well. Yeah, I get us over land as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you fly over um, the uh, mountainous and jungle-filled uh, land of Surai, and um, eventually the rocky mountainous terrain uh, gives way to level... Uh, plains uh like a grassy lowland doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of vegetation um and also the air continues to get colder and colder the the further north you guys go um do we learn this young gentleman's name all right you can just call me welby <laughs> cool i'm flying no oh, nice <laughs> to meet you flying <laughs> oh he's got dad jokes ha <laughs> What? I'm not a dad. <laughs> I'm Tom. Why are you sad? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, after about two days travel, uh, probably making a pit stop in the grassy uh, lands of uh, Arakrith, which you find to, uh, uh, like, the, the weather in Arakrith seems uh, kind of... Um, like a perpetual mist, <laughs> uh, like, or, or sleet. It's, it's not like, it's not downright raining and it's not like super windy. It's just like general precipitation seems to be the, the normal cause of the day. Uh, on occasion it's, it's, you know, not too bad, but you know, when you guys land, the ground is a little like, uh, moist and a little muddy, but not like a mud field. And, uh, yeah, after a little bit, you start closing in on uh, where you believe Whalehaven to be, given the map you are following. <laughs> and around that point, um, as you can kind of see, like, a collection of tents uh, near, nearby the, the, the coast, um, uh, they seem to sprawl a decent way. Uh, they, they definitely go several miles inland from the coast, but then there's, like, definitely some, some, like, uh, some part of the settlement that is on the coastline. Um, and you guys are approaching and, um, the, uh, one of the aether cores of your, um, of your gyrocopters, like, I think, um, 
It'd be good if we landed soon, Mr. Quaglin. I think we've taxed them enough. All right. Yeah. Uh, as basically, right after she says that, there's like, and uh, one of the aether cores uh, burns out. And uh, so expensive. <laughs> and the um, uh, and because of the jolt of it, it kind of racks through everything, making the uh, propeller uh, seem to kind of like lose its its uh, fix it or lose where it's fixed a little bit and start like wobbling as it uh, as it spins. Uh, and uh, you're going to have to make a controlled uh, uh, but fast. Uh, landing here, Zeke, as uh, as you guys are starting to plummet. And meanwhile, Welby's like, ah! Oh no, we're gonna die! <laughs> Can I do so heroically? Yes. <laughs> that's a tier four on heroics? Oh god, okay. So that's a plus 12 to your dexterity? That's a 29 on dexterity. Uh, so you guys start coming down, um, Zeke, when one of the aether cores goes out, the other ones seem to dim, uh, and, and stop functioning as if they're in some sort of circuit. Uh, and so now you're just kind of gliding it down as the propeller is becoming less and less useful. Uh, and, uh, you guys make a very, very quick descent. Zeke manages to like stop you guys from just free falling and spinning, uh, using what little control he has over like the rudders and the, uh, uh, the propeller to keep you guys actually like more or less horizontal as you go. Uh, and at like the last moment he manages to pull it up. So the back of the, uh, uh, the gyrocopter scrapes into the ground, uh, mud and rock and like dirt flying up behind you guys. Uh, you see, as you are basically crash landing towards uh, a settlement, uh, a bunch of people like uh, uh, who are on like the outskirts, either like farming or doing something. They're not exactly like nearby any of the housing or anything, but they're like on uh, on foot nearby. They all like kind of spread out of the way as you're descending uh, and watch as you guys uh, scrape the bottom or the back half of your, uh, your gyrocopter, uh, snapping some of the important mechanisms and smashing it down. Uh, each one of you takes uh, three wounds. Can I attempt a crash landing roll to minimize damage? Nope. <laughs> we all I own attempted in a way and Why take three we just wounds. Jump? <laughs> I want to retain the ethicals. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I gave mine away. <laughs> you don't need one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Talia, you turn on your wings and, uh, uh, undo your harness and then jump up off the thing right before it hits the ground and you kind of hover behind them, wings spread out behind you, uh, uh, as you see your creation crash and, and, uh, crinkle into the ground, uh, with your companions on top of it. Um, and, uh, Barnabas, Zeke, and Welby take three wounds. I would like to heroically resist the wounds. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Zeke, you, uh, you're holding on to the controls and they kind of snap and, uh, pinch your hand, uh, making it so your, uh, your left hand, uh, is, uh, unusable for a moment. It's, uh, it's like really, really badly bruised, so you can't really hold anything in it. Um, and, uh, Barnabas, uh, your seat snaps underneath you the harness more or less holding you in place uh and your leg actually uh at the last moment as the like um as the uh gyrocopter comes to rest uh gets like jammed into the base of the netting and uh you sprain your ankle uh that means you will have a minus 10 to your move speed 
Um, and uh, Welby, as you guys uh, skid to a stop, you're all there, and you hear Welby go, I'm blind! I'm blind! I'm gonna die! And you turn, and you see his face is just covered in mud. <laughs> I wipe the mud off of his face. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm okay. Oh, oh that was awesome! <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty great, and I look out at the satyrs, and I... We're looking for the hut of the Eternal Guardian. Can you give us directions? <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm going to collect the Aethercores and any sort of things I can salvage. Uh, yeah, a bunch of satyrs uh, run up to help you guys get out of the like wreckage and stuff. Um, it seems like a couple of them are willing to help you out, Talia. Uh, like one of the cores is like, and uh, and one satyr like jumps and like grabs it and like twists it and like detaches it from the energy source, and then it's like, yeah, and then set it spinning at like stasis. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and with the help of a couple of satyrs who seem to be actually pretty handy with with uh, with craftsmanship, uh, they help you like kind of like salvage what you can as uh, the others are helping pull like these guys out of the wreckage. Uh, and one of them's like, Hut of the Eternal Guards? Yeah. We're Team Jollypot of the Atroposian Circuit. Oh, yes, we've been getting lots of the Atroposian Circuit through here. Really? Well, just the one. But, we, I mean, the representative is hanging out uh, hanging out in the Eternal Guard Hut. Okay, which... can I ask you a question? Does he give you a weird vibe? I've only seen them from afar. Does he give you a weird vibe from afar? Uh, you, not particularly, no. All right. There, there is, are you all right, old man? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be fine. <laughs> After I've secured all the parts that might explode, I will help Mr. Gunsby detangle himself <laughs> from the netting. Uh, some of the satyrs have more or less finished the job, but yeah, you help them out, and then uh, uh, they get you up and running, um, and uh, the one who was uh, talking, who was the one who slid and detached the Aether core, uh, he steps back and he goes, uh, I can have some of my uh, some of my friends here uh, uh, get to lashing ropes around this and, and dragging it deeper into camp so uh, you can get back to work on it. Um... Um, and you need to go to the Hut of the Eternal Guard, you say? Yes. Well, uh, there might be some complication with that. Um, it's, uh, it's not exactly open to out, uh, outsiders. Um, I'm going to have to, um, uh, I'm going to have to ask that you stay here with me. A couple people are already going to go in and let the, uh, let the chieftain know that, uh, that newcomers are here. Thank you. My name is Sven. Hello, Talia Nazari. Nice to meet you, Talia. Barnabas Gunsby. Barnabas? I'm Zeke, and this is Welby. Hi. <laughs> Are you okay, Welby? I thought I was blind. <laughs> well, you're not. <laughs> nice to meet you too, Welby. Um, the last team of, that came through here was, was only three people. You are four. Welby's not on the team. We just gave him a ride. I'm an adventurer now. <laughs> Oh, is that so? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, he asks you, he, for, well, I guess he goes, uh, that was an interesting craft you came on. Seems a little, little uh, ramshackle made on the fly. Who, who, which one of you did that? Or was it the group effort? Nope. It was all her. Nope. <laughs> Impressive. Thank you. Uh, you. You get a good look at Sven. He's got um, uh, no gauges in his ear. 
uh, a natural born free satyr, this man. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he does have a couple scar, like, a uh, a, a three scars across, uh, one of his cheeks leading down to his, uh, down his chin into his neck. Um, and one of his horns is snapped. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's wearing pretty plain clothes, like some, some leathers, uh, and he's got like a scimitar on his, uh, uh, on his hip. Um, and, uh, he seems perfectly friendly with you guys and he chats with you for a little bit. And eventually you start seeing, uh, a group of people coming from, uh, the collection of tents that makes up the center part of this, uh, this widespread encampment. Um, uh, and, uh, in the middle of, uh, of all those is, a pretty beefy looking, um, uh, satyr. He's wearing, uh, he's wearing like a, a sleeveless, uh, uh, leather like jerkin, uh, that's like tightly buttoned up around his neck. Um, and, uh, he has hollow gauges in his ear and, um, give me one second. I actually have a picture so I can describe him a little better. With a jerkin. Uh, he's got, um, he's got brownish red hair, uh, tightly, tightly cropped, a little spiked, uh, on top of his head that also wraps around into a, uh, thinly cropped, uh, beard. Um, and, uh, he's got some scars along his forearms. Um, and, uh, he's got like a hammer on, um, uh, on one side of his hip and then like, uh, like short sword on the other side of, uh, or on his other hip. And, um, uh, like a, a, a scar across his, like the bridge of his nose. And, um, he, he approaches you guys. He looks like hard, but also like in his eyes, you see like a friendly glint and, uh, and he actually, he does smile as he gets closer to you guys and he goes, that was quite the landing. Thanks. Um, uh, my name is Boris. I'm Zeke. I'm the chief. Oh, hello. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> um, Sorry. Uh, I'm the chieftain of, uh, of the Silica tribe. And planes are overhead all the time. It is our greatest fear. You have triggered <laughs> yes, us. Yes, we actually just <laughs> crashed in one, you see. Yes, it's, uh, it's what we fear. Planes falling from the sky. You cannot trust. <laughs> um, uh... I am the chieftain of the uh, of the Silica tribe. Did he say that before he said that was quite the landing, or is he just now saying I'm the chieftain of the Silica tribe? You, like, just said that before we had to stop. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, I am the chieftain of the Silica tribe. Um, on either side of him, you see uh, he has, you know, there's, like, a little bit of a gathering of what is obviously, like, civilians and stuff. Um, uh, Sven has now walked around uh, away from you guys to line up or to take position, like, in the crowd behind the chieftain. Um, and uh, flanking either side of the chieftain are even larger, stronger-looking uh, uh, satyrs uh, whose, face, face, yeah, whose faces are uh, more or less covered by, like, leather masks. Uh, and um, uh, they have, like, pretty ceremonial-looking leather armor, and they each have... Um, weapons on either side of their hips, but, uh, one of them has like two kukri knives and the other one has like two whips. Um, and, uh, and he goes, uh, what, what brings you, uh, to, uh, 
to our uh, village outsiders. We are participating in the great Atroposian circuit. Uh, we would like to... Shit, what was that tank called? Out of the Eternal Guard. Eternal... And we need to check in with Mr. Duncanfurter in the hut of the Eternal Guardian. Hut of the Eternal Guard. Ah, I see. Well, to uh, to get the uh, uh, entrance into our uh, our um, planes. Well, to get entrance into our uh, our camp. You're going to need to uh, uh, take on a little bit of a challenge. We here in Arakrith pride ourselves on strength and martial prowess. Never again shall we be put down by the Howdies. So, which of you is your champion? Um, the- well, I'm not much of a brawler, but I am quite the shot with a rifle. He goes and spits on the ground. Um, I'm pretty good with a stick. She's pretty good with a sword. Well, whichever of you is your team's champion uh, is going to have to face against the champion of our tribe in a non-lethal duel. Prove yourselves that you are worthy to tread on our land that we have fought and bled for. All right, I... Smack Tolly on the back. I'm like, all right, you're the champion. <laughs> Go get him. Ha. Don't lose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> I've got this. Uh, as you step forward, uh, all of the crowds are going, oh, 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 oh. And they start oh, circling oh. around you guys. Uh, and uh, and uh, Boris uh, waves to Zeke and Barnabas to like join up with the crowd to make like a, a circle around Talia. I'm already in the crowd chanting with them. I'm, fami- <laughs> I'm familiar with this custom. Uh, the uh, uh, the crowd uh, makes the circle, um, leaving only Talia, Boris, and uh, the two men with the masked faces um, uh, in the center. And uh, he goes, they have chosen their champion, one... Talia Nazari. <laughs> Talia Nazari. Uh, what is your weapon of choice, madame? Saber. Saber. All right. Can we trust you to stay your hand should, uh, should you have our champion at your mercy? Oh, yes, of course. Excellent. Uh, Gurren Belt. Uh, and then everyone's like, oh, 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 and they start stomping their feet, and the, and the crowd uh, disperses, and a gigantic satyr, oh, no. um, uh, uh, almost as tall as you are, Talia, which is a lot for a satyr, he's got giant muscular uh, legs, you guys would think this guy's more minotaur than satyr, uh, and uh, he's got huge, like, bodybuilding muscles, and... Um, uh, he, uh, he walks up to you, um, uh, with these, uh, like iron gauntlets on, uh, and he's like hitting them together with the beat of like the stomping. He's like, tung, 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 tung. 
and uh, uh, he he uh, he's got scar. He's his completely bare chested for one thing, and he's got scars all over his giant muscular body. Uh, both of his uh, horns seem to have been big at one time, but are now sawed off. It seems like at his forehead, um, and uh, and w- one of his eyes is milky white. Uh, and, uh, he, uh, he steps up, uh, and he's got like this big, like leather girdle belt on and, uh, uh, he turns and raises his fists up and like, and shouts at the crowd and they're all like, Garen Bell, Garen Bell, Garen Bell, Garen Bell. And, uh, uh, Boris raises his hands up and, uh, you know, the crowd silences and he goes, do you accept our choice of champion or do you flee in, uh, do you flee in fear? I accept. Of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gurnbelt. And uh, Gurnbelt <laughs> walks up and he's like, Rrr. and uh, he puts one uh, metal fist under his arm and pulls out his bare hand and he uh, reaches it out to, uh, to yours. And um, you take it? I take it. Uh, as you do, you guys grip hands. Uh, uh, Boris grabs each one of your wrists and lowers his head and cuts both of your hands with his, uh, horns. Uh, just like, you know, uh, a flesh wound, a mere flesh wound. Ow! (laughs) You do that and everyone kind of looks around a little like, really? Uh, and, uh, with your blood dripping down his, uh, his left horn and Gurumbeld's blood dripping down his right horn, uh, Boris, uh, Steps back and goes, um, uh, uh, these three wish to have entrance to our sacred lands. And, uh, or you could get Duncan Furter to come out. That's cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) They will prove their worth (laughs) in, uh, in the way of our people, a martial combat. And everyone's like, and he goes, uh, and he goes, so Talia Nazari champion of, he looks at you. Team Jolly Pot. Team Jolly Pot. (laughs) I was going to say that, Mr. Gunsley. Sorry, I'm really excited. <laughs> you see, Barnabas has uh, is like sharing a bag of some local dish with uh, with someone else. It's like this, like this weird, uh, uh, like crunchy, like uh, uh, bready substance that he's eating with him. Like exciting, like oh, this is gonna be great. I also have my shirt off too, as is. <laughs> and Gurrenbell, champion of the Silica tribe. Everyone's like Gurrenbell, and he raises his hand again to quiet him, and he's like. Uh, you two will fight until one of you le- uh, till one of you yields. Be mindful. This is not a fight to the death unless uh, unless the clearly beaten party refuses to yield. And uh, he uh, waves his hand back to his uh, to the two men on either side of him with like the ornate armor, uh, and they uh, step to either side of the ring. And uh, so that way, in the center of the ring, it's just. Uh, Talia, Gurumbeld, and uh, Boris. And uh, Boris uh, puts his hand up in the air, puts it into a fist, and he goes, And now, 
you fight! And he uh, pulls his fist down and, like, leaps back with, like, the grace and force that only, like, a satyr could muster to, like, dart his way back to the edge of the ring um, uh, and, like, land nearby the crowd. Uh, and uh, Gurmbeld clacks his, uh, his two uh, metal fists together and goes, ah! and runs at Utalia, and that's where we'll end this session. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> oh, Christ. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by Cracked Monocle Gaming. Tefra, the steampunk RPG, is a trademark of Cracked Monocle Gaming, all rights reserved. Go to www.crackedmonocle.com for more information.